This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell, and joining me today in the studio are the Toledo Symphony's principal second violin and artistic administrator, Merwin Sue. Our good friend Rachel Schultz is here, who was uh, formerly the Director of Education and Community Engagement, now the Vice President of Education and Community Engagement. I'll give you a little cheer. (laughs) We also have TSO percussionist and orchestra manager extraordinaire Keith McWaters. I have a cheer for you. (laughs) That's your theme music, we've decided. And uh, we also have a very special guest here, and I have a fanfare for you. Sort of your walk-on music, right? Yes. Wow. Everybody. Wow. Put your hands together for Amanda Miller, who is here from Imagination Station. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you. It don't sound so excited to be here. <laughs> We're glad to have you here. And the reason that we have you here is because uh, Toledo Symphony is partnering with Imagination Station. You've got some concerts coming coming up, including uh, tomorrow's concert. is happening November 10th, Thursday. This is the Evolution of Instruments. Who wants to fill me in on the, the details on this program? Um, I will do some of the details. Okay, uh, I've got some music for you. There you go. The name of this track is actually Imagination Station, believe it or not. So, you know, no pressure, right? (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Tell Uh, us about it. So, we are doing it tomorrow. So, at 9.45 and 11 o'clock, we're doing it as part of our Young People's Concert Series. So, the peristyle will be full of children, mostly third grade and up. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Amanda, what are you doing? Yes. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be helping them out and doing uh, some snippets of science in between the songs uh, and doing all cool. sorts of different uh, crazy, not experiments, but uh, tinkers of the different instruments. Yeah. Now that brings me to your title. <laughs> you are the tinkering coordinator, which sounds kind of dirty, you know, actually. <laughs> but I, I wonder yeah. if you could tell us what a tinkering coordinator is. Yeah. So... Uh, I work in our tinkering space, which is kind of like a maker space. Um, and tinkering is when you maybe don't have a plan. You maybe have a goal that you want to do something, but you don't really have an exact plan of what you're doing. So you're going to tinker with a little bit of this. So you're going to wow. do a that little bit of that. That is my life. I yes. know. That's yeah. my life, too, except for the goal part. I don't have that in mind. But I mean, sometimes you don't need a goal. Sometimes they're helpful, but you don't always need a goal to tinker with things. I've spent a lifetime of tinkering. That's wonderful. But you needed a coordinator. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Okay. Now, Amanda, I I told you beforehand that Mm -hmm. you would have to tell us your story. That's like the, the Toledo Symphony Lab newbie experience. You have to tell your story. Um, This can be anything, but we want to get to know you a little bit, okay? So I have some other music for you. This will go in the backdrop of your story. So it doesn't matter, you know, the music doesn't have to relate to what you're saying. You can say anything, but this is the music I chose for you. I Uh, like this. This is awesome. Okay. Let's Um, hear it. Amanda, take it away. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I have been 
at Imagination Station for about five years now. I started off as a part-time associate and have kind of moved into my role as tinkering coordinator. Um, I, like I said, I am in tinkering space and I help figure out the different projects in there and it's really awesome because I can pull things from my own life to do the different projects. We do a different project every month, like this month. Uh, November we'll be doing sublimation, which I'm so excited about. It's a new project we're doing um, where we're taking like special markers, drawing it on paper, and then we'll uh, put them in a heat press onto an iron-on patch, and the heat press will transfer the ink from the paper onto your patch. Sorry, I'll stop touching things. <laughs> You're hitting the microphone. Yes. You're the most violent guest we've had. I know, I get time. so excited. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, uh, explain this again, this this yeah. process. Yeah, so uh, the ink is a special ink, then it's a solid, and when it's heated up, it will actually sublimate or go from a solid straight to a gas. Oh, okay. And the iron-on patch is a special patch that the pores will open up, and the ink will be absorbed into those pores, and then when it cools down, it'll be like in the fabric. So we're going to be doing that with everyone that comes in. I'm so excited. It'll be so much fun. That sounds like fun. Well, we'll save that for a later program of uh, (laughs) Symphony Lab. But we do have a crafting experiment a little bit later on. Don't want to quite get to that yet. Amanda, what what got you interested in science and and all that stuff in the first place? Yeah, um, I've always been really interested in science. So my uh, degree is actually in environmental science. Uh So it's a little bit different than what I have ended up doing with my life but uh, I've always been interested in how things work I've been I've like I said before I have a 1997 Mazda Miata so I've always (laughs) been working on cars my whole life with my dad so I've always been trying to figure out okay this isn't working how can I fix this so it just has kind of pushed me in the right direction yeah that's so interesting it's great do we all feel like we know Amanda a little better now yeah, mm-hmm. everybody's nodding, which, you know, is perfect for radio. Okay. <laughs> I'm just curious about the Imagination Station org chart. Did you, as a part-time associate, look up and say, man, I want to be tinkering coordinator someday? <laughs> and is that actually what was on the org chart? Uh, yeah. It actually wasn't. Um, part of it was we've kind of changed different things. Tinkered but like, Yeah, tinkered yeah. with it, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and there's the area where we were in Idea Lab, and that was kind of a position, and I was like, oh, yeah, I could do that. Like, that I don't sounds- really know what they do in there, but I'm sure I could figure it out. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, this fits me perfectly. How did I not know we did this? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Now, have you guys, the symphony, worked with Imagination Station before? I remember you've done some science programs in the past. We've done a lot of science programs, but our most recent collaboration was last March. So for Music in Our Schools Month, we did a lot of stuff at Imagination Station. We did recitals, several recitals there. Um, and we had some of our students going into the tinkering space and playing the <laughs> instruments that were being made. And so it's just, it's been really fun. Yeah. Spoken like a true VP. Uh, right? Yes. <laughs> our, I think, well, the first collaboration that I remember with Imagination Station was for one of our family concerts. It was Ellen's first family concert. How can I forget? I don't Uh know. I want to hear this story. It's a wonderful story. At first, it was going to involve open flames. Hang on. Let me find some (laughs) other music for you. There's no open flames music? (laughs) Well, this is kind of close. So it was for a family concert, and there were... This is the most wonderful conductor hazing story that we have. (laughs) Well, if it's hazing, let me switch it up here. (laughs) 
Oh, wrong one. <laughs> there we go. That's kind of hazing music. That's like a violin. I, if a violin were to haze you, this is what it would sound like. I feel like your definition of hazing is much gentler than mine, which is great. It's like and little drops of rain. Which is exactly yeah. not what Alain has yeah. to deal with because... We had to pull that open flames um, imagination station um, experiment, and like five minutes before five the minutes before was, the concert, not quite, but it was pretty close. <laughs> and fortunately, as all as I imagine all imagination people station staff do, they had a bed of nails in the back of the <laughs> in the back <laughs> that they just were like, "Well, we could just smash concrete blocks on you um, on top of a bed of nails in front of the entire Halloween audience," wow. and the. And when we knew for sure we made the right choice as music director was when Alain said, yeah, okay, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. See, this is good better nails music right here. All the little nails, right? <laughs> Happy little nails. That's what we'll call it. We're going to rename Happy little it. nails is a great title for a track. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, Amanda, you, you've got some strange instrument concoction behind you. What is that? Yeah. Can you tell us what it is? Yeah. Uh, it's our um, one-stringed instrument. And uh, so we actually made this. This is one we'll be bringing to the concert. Uh, we had, we last month, or last March, we did one-stringed instruments in our tinkering space. And so this is kind of a replica of what we were making in there. It's a, a shovel that we then transformed into an instrument. We've got a cigar box as our resonating box on it. Wow. Um, we use some hose clamps to kind of pull everything together. So It's yeah. really cool, and it's quite large, actually. It's, it is. It's quite long. I'm, I'm going to pull down the music, and then you go ahead and see if you can hold it up to the mic and, okay. and string yeah. it a little bit, I, play it a little bit. I'm going to warn you, I am not a musician at all. <laughs> so this is... Well, that's okay, because this isn't a real instrument. I, I will so. say that in advance, before hearing you play, you are the best cigar cigar box shovel player that we have ever had on this show. Yeah, in this room even. Perfect. Wow. Amanda Miller tinkering with the uh, instrument there, the cigar box. What do you call that thing? Cigar box shovel? Yeah. Um... Just make it up. Make up a name for it. <laughs> Bill. Uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> we call it Bill. Perfect. Uh, we've been calling it a diddly bow, which it's kind of close to a diddly bow or like our riff off of a diddly bow. But what, what is a diddly bow? Does is bow diddly? Bit... <laughs> oh man, you can really tell that uh, Merwin's filling in for Zach Vassar today. <laughs> Uh, so a diddly bow is actually um, an instrument that we looked up, and it was originally made out of a fence post and two screws and a bailing wire, and they used to play it uh, way back when. <laughs> before uh, your time. You yes. have to say, before my time. Yes, before my time. I don't yeah, say sure. that anymore because no. my time goes goes back. <laughs> Um, and they used like uh, glass bottles to as slides on it, and they were able to make some great sounds. And they also used the slide, the glass bottles as their resonating boxes. So, cool. yeah, Keith, you're a percussionist. You've been sitting over there rather quietly while uh, Amanda's been showing us this stuff and talking about everything. Uh, I imagine you've done a lot of tinkering in your lifetime. Do, do you 
like just create instruments, anything you can bang or hit? I mean, I'm trying to draw a little bit of a correlation between what you're used to and what Amanda's talking about here. Well, yes, I've tinkered, tinkered <laughs> the other night at a concert. Um, there's uh, actually a lot of what we call found instruments in uh, the percussion okay. field. And that would be empty glass bottles and fence posts and that sort of thing, because oh. truly anything that you hit could be considered. A fence post? Do you, like, bring a fence post on stage with you, or do you go where the fence is? Well, no, but I'll tell you that shovel would come in handy on stage occasionally. I would, yeah. <laughs> as, as we dig through the, the stuff that happens. But <laughs> Keith, can I ask, yeah. what is the most, like, what's the craziest percussion instrument that you've had to use as part of a concert? Well... The one that comes to mind is not really a percussion instrument. It's more of a sound effect, but I have played a vacuum cleaner. Um, It it was actually um, a piece written for vacuum cleaner. And yes, everyone's thinking (laughs) it, so I'll say it. It totally sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, even Mozart thought that was funny. All right. (laughs) But there's uh, the found instrument group uh, in percussion is really interesting because if you go far enough back, even maybe before your time, Brad, there's uh, the xylophone would have been a found instrument um, originally. It would have been nothing more than a tree that may have fallen and and the wood gets to be in such a condition that you could play it. Different size pieces of wood would make different sounds, and they would resonate if you left them on the tree. They would not if you didn't. So there's found instruments or something that that uh, that we use a lot of. And yeah. I, but we don't usually – I mean, you're right. Anything we hit, uh, as long as we're not driving and – in a car, because yes, if you hit a fence post while you're driving a car, it's not really an instrument. <laughs> but yeah, lots of found instruments in percussion. Well, I, I would think that percussion instruments started as found instruments, right? Like some guy was banging on a gourd and he was like, hey, look what I made. That's true. That's yeah. true. We play a lot of empty bottles, and I won't tell you how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> One of my all time favorite um, concerts was when uh, we played a, a violin concerto it's spelled funny it's like with a k and ch or whatever um by lou harrison for violin and percussion orchestra and so we're in the toledo club and there were people walking do you remember this concert uh there was like brake coils dangling from brake coils and there were uh flower pots several different types of wind chimes that felt like somebody like raided the storeroom of natural wonders there was a double (laughs) bass that was on its back and people were playing it with mallets what else was there? There were, there were some really amazing things. And gosh, the sounds, the brake coils in particular, have this really fascinating sound. And basically, Lou Harrison just went in a junkyard, hit things, and said, wow, this sounds amazing, and this is what I want. Hubcaps. Yeah. I remember there were hubcaps. Wow. Yeah, hubcaps. Very so. cool. You ever have hubcaps over at the Imagination Station, Amanda? Not specifically right now but i'm sure i can i'm thinking that there could definitely be some projects yeah. with some hubcaps you're getting out. all kinds of ideas yeah. for future tinkerings for i sure. take it i've got a couple of quizzes for us to do and we're going to get to one right now this is a science of sound quiz i've given you all a notepad so you can write your answer down for each of these questions so we don't answer them while it's happening we wait until the end and we'll go back i think that's you know, giving everybody at home a chance to play or giving us all a chance to be honest, right, about what our answers were. So let me find uh, some music here. Yeah. You'll, you'll notice I've gotten all, like, 
computer generated music today. Actually, Amanda is playing this live on her cigar shovel. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Amazing. It's pretty great. Wow. Okay, question number one. Multiple choice. Sound travels best through what? Is it water, air, or solids? A, B, or C. Sound travels best through. Okay. Second question. A sound moves in how many directions? Is it one direction, all directions, or two directions? A, B, or C. Okay. Which of these following terms refers to an organized pattern of sound? Is it pitch? Rhythm or noise, A, B, or C. The amount of force placed on an object that affects how tight or loose it is, is called what? Is it tension, speed, or energy, A, B, or C. A measure of how loud or soft a sound is refers to what? Is it amplitude, is it pitch, or is it volume? Now these are pretty simple questions. Um, um, uh. I, I, <laughs> I, you know, for it, the it's simple in the way hitting a baseball is simple, as in like we we, we can get like three out of ten, right? Okay. Like I think that I'm setting the expectation at we'll three hundred batting average. I'm thinking that I was very smart before I went to music school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, or or we're on this podcast for that matter. <laughs> Okay, let's go back, right? Now, the first one, sound travels best through what? A, B, or C, water, air, or solids. How many people said water? How many people said air? How many people said solids? Yes, Amanda's raising her hand. Solids is the winner. Solids? Yeah, Yeah, it's actually really awesome. We have an experiment where we do music boxes, and so you, like, play it up in the air, and it's, like, really, really quiet, and then you put it on, like, a metal pie pin. There... Wow. <laughs> metal. There she is tinkering pin. again. <laughs> and it just amplifies it so much. Or you put it, we have metal bleachers. You can put it on there and just like, you can hear it so much better. It's so wow. awesome. So with this, is this one of the reasons why for a while we had our double bases on like a wooden box? Interesting. Think, yeah. I mean, I, we do that with cello soloists as well. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I always thought it was for the hollow space under the box. I did too. Well, you obviously didn't go to I music school. I feel like what we should <laughs> do is have a, have, a, have a tinkering space experiment where we get, you know, extraordinarily expensive international soloists to sit on various objects. I <laughs> And sit in one of the boxes. Yeah. I've always wanted to put a cellist in a box. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Ch- let's take that off the radio. <laughs> no. No, there's no cutting in Symphony Lab, you know that. <laughs> now, let's go to our second question. A sound moves in how many directions? This is a little easier. Is it one direction? How many people said one? I'm a big fan of one direction, but no. <laughs> <laughs> how many people said all? Uh, we, it, wait, say we, again. I think we oh, all said Everybody all. raise your hand. You all said all. How many people said two? Well, since you all said all, yeah, you all get a Yay! point. But Amanda's still winning. All right, number three. Which term refers to an organized pattern of sound? Is it pitch, rhythm, or noise? Who said pitch? Anybody said pitch? Anybody for rhythm? Anybody for noise? No, Rachel, you're not I, I, voting I at all. I said pitch. Oh, you said pitch. <laughs> it's not pitch, obviously. It's rhythm, rhythm. Yay! So far, Amanda is three for three. That was Good a hard, job. That last one was a hard one, I guessed. Okay, no <laughs> good guess. 
The amount of force placed on an object that affects how tight or loose it is is called what? Is it tension, speed, or energy? A, B, or C. How many people said A, tension? Okay, well, I'm not even going to say the others because you all raised your hands. So the answer is Yay! tension. A measure of how loud or soft a sound is refers to what? Is it amplitude, pitch, or volume? How many people said amplitude? How many people said pitch? How many people said volume? That was me. You know what, Rachel? You win. That's right. It's volume. How loud or soft a sound is, right? That's volume, is it not? That was my other guess, so I thought... Yeah, well, Amanda, that's weird because she was ahead, right? And then, so you guys are all tied. At three? Isn't or am that I losing? amazing? No, no okay. you're all tied. <laughs> no, I think Amanda got four. I got four. Yeah. Amanda won. Okay, <laughs> well, all right. We're not, the the guest we always wins anyway. <laughs> so that's good. We'll give it to Amanda. I do have a, an extra credit quiz, which relates to the next part of our quiz. <laughs> um, which wait, wait we'll get second. to later. There's an extra qu- credit quiz that relates. <laughs> extra credit question. Okay. <laughs> I was tinkering with it, okay? <laughs> All right. What is the oldest known existing musical instrument in the world? Is it the Neanderthal flute? Is it Tutankhamun's trumpets? Or is it a Vietnamese lithophone? Those are all three real instruments. Which one of them? Oh, I kind of messed that up because everybody knows that Neanderthals were, <laughs> you know, before Tutankhamun. Anyway, what do you say? A, B, or C? How many people vote for A, Neanderthal flute? Sure. I'll vote with that. <laughs> yeah, everybody votes for that. It's a Neanderthal flute. Actually, it's 60,000 years old. It's made from the left thigh bone of a young cave bear and has four pierced holes in it. So the Neanderthals were... Playing the flute back in the day. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a big hit. I wonder why the cave bear had to be young. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, it would be an alto cave flute. <laughs> I mean, the flute would, maybe the flute would be too big then, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So they chose, you know, for size. Certainly the bear would have been too big. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They chose for volume. Anyway. Not I'll bring amplitude. Down. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Amanda, uh, you have the distinction of being our first quiz winner. We'll see how you do on the second quiz. It's a little more uh, musical-oriented. So this was our science quiz, and then we have an instrument quiz coming up. But first I have an activity for us. And this activity, I, I have a picture here to demonstrate. This involves a piece of string that I handed out to all you guys. And what you're going to do is put it like this, right? It's called a head harp. Have you heard of a head harp, Amanda? No. No? Okay. So you just tie it off and put it around your head and (laughs) stretch it out. I forgot that we had to wear headphones. That kind of messes with it. But you can still kind of get in there. All right. So what you do is you put it over your head like this, and and then you try and... Yeah, it's not as fancy as your shovel harp or whatever that is, but I thought it'd be fun if we could try this. Merwin's still trying to tie the string. Okay, there you go. All right. For being a violinist, Merwin, I don't know. Got to hold it right up to the microphone. (laughs) Boy, if that's not tinkering, I don't know what is. All right, Amanda, let's hear from you. Wow. 
Very nice. Rachel? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really change pitch when no, you move doesn't. around the string. How about you, Keith? Let's hear you. Keith is sort of able to get different pitches out of there. And then, Merwin, I'm going to give you another chance. Get that thing back on your head. There you go. I think you made yours too small. It needs to have a, l a little bit more. I'm the violinist. I want the higher pitch. That <laughs> yeah, was intentional. Exactly. Here's another piece of string oh, if you okay. want it. <laughs> I'm good. Okay. Now let's all do it at the same time. Ready? We're going to do a little choir of head harping here. Okay. On the count of three. Three. Okay. Let's see if we can play a chord all together. Okay. Ready, set, and go. <laughs> that was great. Start making new rhythm. <laughs> That's Elaine's daughter, by the way. Amanda, if you didn't know. Okay. Um, um, yeah, okay. Well, that was fun while it's it lasted. Funny. I, I, <laughs> it's very interesting. Go up. I generally tied strings around necks before. But <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that I'm up to snuff, Amanda, for uh, my spot at the Imagination Station? Yeah, I think so. I'll I'm definitely like, going to make everyone else do this now. We're going to go back and we're going to be doing this. It's going to be part of your part of your uh, oeuvre. There. I feel like their all staff meetings must be very different. Oh my gosh, they must be so much fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So anyway, we learned all about uh, string theory in that segment. <laughs> right. I was holding on to that joke for a while. I held a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> so we have different people playing different instruments here. We we know, Amanda, that you play the shovel or whatever it is. Yes. The bob or the bill or what would you name it, Merwin? I forget. It's diddly bow, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. diddly bow. Diddly you play diddly the diddly bow. Yes. Do you play any other instruments? Not really. Intentionally no. or no. unintentionally? I, yeah. I did a French horn when I was a kid, but it was very short-lived. Yeah. <laughs> I, I played that very short-lived. <laughs> That's okay. So uh, Merwin is a violinist. Keith is a percussionist. Rachel is a pianist. I am a, a singer, former singer. So we can talk a little bit about our various instruments. And the, the theme of the day is the evolution of instruments, right? So we're going to go around the table and see if you can offer up a little bit of uh, trivia, maybe about your instrument. And then I've got another fun quiz that relates to that. Let's see. What kind of music do we have now? There we go. That sounds like evolution to me. I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah. All right. Take it away, Merwin. You're up first. Okay. Well, the theory behind string instruments is really very simple. If you've ever had like a rubber band and pulled it, or a head harp and a rubber band sound, that sound is, you know, that's something that, you know, kids are always fooling around with. And people discover pretty quickly that if you take that same sound and you put it next to over a resonating box... Yeah, hold that a little closer to the microphone. There's a lot of, uh, like, vibrating in the string. There's more vibrating, it seems like. Well, vibrating is kind of the way we make sound, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. So, uh, but I think we've been talking a lot about plucking strings, and, and obviously plucked string instruments, they're still a pretty big deal. I guess people play guitars or bass or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know, those, 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 those still exist somewhere out in the world. Those but... bow diddly instruments, or diddly bow instruments. <laughs> well, speaking of bows, um, we were hoping to get 
sustained sounds. I think composers were like, hey, what what could sustain the sound of a stringed instrument longer than the duration of a pluck? And so they created bowed stringed instruments. And the, the, the stringed instrument family really kind of has two ancestors, both from the Middle East. Um, one is called a rabab. And if you Google rabab, R-A-B-A-B, it's a little confusing because you'll find a plucked instrument and a bowed instrument, but the bowed instrument was the earlier one from the 9th century. It actually was bowed with silk, which seems much more civilized than yeah. the gut strings that really kind of pop- were popular for most of um, stringed instrument history. Yeah. Um, so you have the rabab, and then the Crusades kind of brought that idea to the European continent and that um, in the form of the rabeck. And that's really the ancestor of all of the string instruments that we have now. That's fabulous. Wow. Merlin, well prepared for today's episode. Show off. I, I even had a box with a rubber band around it that well, I was not preparing five minutes before the show. <laughs> Keith can basically hit anything, and he's demonstrating his instrument, right? Yeah, he hit me just now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always fun to follow Merwin because he's like eloquent, educated, and very well spoken, and me, not so much. But I did just steal his box because now I'm going to hit it and make it a percussion instrument. It actually has snares because it still has the rubber band on it from uh, when Merwin played it. Uh, wow, I, very cool. Yeah, it's basically percussion is uh, what falls into the category of percussion is anything that you strike, typically. Uh, that's that's what our, where our history started. Actually, the maybe the oldest used of percussion instruments may have been in communication. Mm. Before there were cell phones and you wanted to talk to the village over the hill, you would use a big log and a stick to whack it with, and there would be some communication. I wasn't there, actually. <laughs> but Brad was. <laughs> but Brad was. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was there, definitely. Rim shot for that. Okay. But as as things progressed, obviously the the instruments got more and more advanced, and and science started to play a role, and and inventions came along. Nowadays, music uh, calls for the percussionist to be a sound effect expert mm, as well. Yeah. A lot of times, it's not an instrument that we're hitting or striking. Um, more uh, maybe a flip of a switch, or and sometimes it's even a recording that we're in charge of turning off and on at certain times during a piece. So percussion goes way back because it was very simple. As I mentioned before, it may have just simply been a tree that fell over and was hollow, and when somebody struck it, there was a bit of a tone, and next thing you know, we had a percussion instrument. And then that grew into xylophones and marimbas. Eventually, the mallet instruments became metal, and we had vibraphones and glockenspiels. Um, and they're all pitched, of course, so you have to actually aim when you strike the instrument. So <laughs> That's why I don't play any of those. I don't like to aim. I just like to hit stuff. Uh, but that's really, really the the basis behind the percussion instrument, mostly for rhythm, but not always. Now again, like I say, a lot of times it's just sound effects and yeah. and uh, adding certain colors. Yay! Well, you guys really prepared for this, didn't you? All right, Rachel. <laughs> yes. You're up. So. <laughs> Give it a shot. Um, what I think is pretty interesting, uh, like Merwin was saying, so. The harpsichord came before the piano, and that was all plucked. 
and then the the piano eventually came along because they wanted more of a sustained sound and something that you could control the the volume, um, which is not easy to do on a harpsichord. So the piano gets the sustained sound. You have the sustained sound. Sorry, you have the hammers hitting the strings. Um, so sometimes, and because there are so many strings. A lot of time kids think, oh, well, the piano should be part of the string family, but it has hammer, so you hit it. So it should be part of the drum family. Mm -hmm. Um, So the piano is pretty great that it can do all of those things. What, as we were sitting here talking, I began to think, you know, maybe, I don't know, 30 years ago, we started doing more of prepared piano. So now we're going back and the composers are telling the pianist to go inside the piano and pluck the strings again so it's kind of like they're making this full circle i hadn't thought about the piano kind of evolving beyond even the instruments that you see that you normally think of because people are adding to it Mm -hmm. they're tinkering with the piano right Mm, they are yeah i guess i should talk about voice but i don't have anything to say so we'll we'll skip (laughs) we're going to skip to uh, our next quiz again and this is a, a sort of an instrument quiz First one was Science of Sound. This is a History of Instruments quiz. And uh, Rachel, you kind of almost touched on a couple of these questions here. So let me pull up the music (laughs) again. That's our quiz music. Okay. Amanda, are you learning all about music? I am. This is actually really fascinating for me. (laughs) Okay. All right. Question number one. Who made the oldest violin in existence today? Was it Andrea Guarnieri? Andre Amati or Antonio Stradivari? That's A, B, or C. Guarnieri, Amati, or Stradivari. Okay. Where is it? Where is? I'm reading. A, B, or C. Yes. No, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a, a, a choice. Okay. Is it the Museo de, del Violino in Cremona, Cremona, Italy? Boy, you know, my Italian has suffered in recent years. Now let's try my French. Is it the Musée de la Musique in Paris? Or is it the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City? And who was this old violin believed to have been originally made for? Was it King Philip II of Spain? Was it Alexander the Great? Or was it Catherine de' Medici, A, B, or C? Can you say the alternatives one more time? For this last question, yes. uh, Philip II of Spain, Alexander the Great, and Catherine de' Medici. I see the wheels turning in your head. You're trying to figure out what dates correspond and all of that. I was hoping it would, the second time would like trigger some sort of <laughs> archaeological history memory. In my, it did not. It did not. I oh, would well. like to apologize to Miss Bain, my his high school history teacher. <laughs> Okay, so for uh, violin, we're going to go back and get the answers to this, all right? Who made the oldest violin in existence? Uh, how many people said A, Guarnieri? Nobody. Oh, I did. Oh, you Indeed. did? Yeah. Okay. How many people said Amati, the second version? That was Merwin. How many people said Stradivari? Stradivarius. That was Amanda. Well, Merwin wins because it was Andre Amati in 1565, made the oldest violin still in existence today. Where is it? The Violin Museum in Cremona, Italy? The Music Museum in Paris? Or the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City? So it's uh, A, B, or C. Rachel and I had A. I had you had A. 
three A's. You, anybody have B? Anybody have C? Yep. <laughs> Amanda, you are correct. Wow. wow. It's in New York at the Metropolitan Museum. I felt Wait, like D, like my attic, would have been a really good choice. <laughs> oh, man. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's under my chair right now. Was that the second question? Yeah. Yeah, that was the second I question. See, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, right. And I didn't just change it. I mean, Amanda, <laughs> yep. for me. Yep. Okay. Thank you. All right. So it's a three-way tie so far between Merwin and Keith and Amanda. Yeah. All right. Rachel, I'm rooting for you on this one, okay? Uh, was it originally made for King Philip II? How many people said King Philip II? Raising hands. No? Okay. So, uh, Keith and Amanda, raise your hands. I'm just going to go straight to the applause. Oh, I figured it was, it was Medici. Yeah. yeah, me too. Uh, King Philip II of Spain, possibly for his marriage to Elizabeth of Valois. Sure. It, w- it may have been part of a wedding gift That's for him. That's I remembered. Liz and Phil. Okay, let's go to the piano. Three more questions for the piano. Who made the oldest piano in existence today? Was it Carl Sauter? Was it Bartolomeo Cristofori? Or was it Ignaz Pleyel? A, B, or C? Okay. Question number two. Where is it? The oldest piano. Is it in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City? Uh Is it the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C., or is it the Galleria Palatina in Florence, Italy? A, B, or C. What was the piano originally called by its maker? Was it Gravicembolo col Piano e Forte? Or was it Il Cimento del Piano e del Forte? Or was it simply the Piano Forte? Okay, so three questions for the piano. Let's go back to the beginning. Who made the oldest piano that exists today? How many people say Carl Sauter? <laughs> Amanda. All right, Amanda's out of the running. How many people said Bartol- Bartolomeo Cristofori? Okay, Merlin, Keith. No? No. Is that your final answer, Rachel? Well, I have a feeling I should change it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, Ignaz Pleyel actually made uh, a lot of wonderful pianos for like Chopin, Debussy, Stravinsky, right. what have you. But he was not the maker of the oldest piano oh. existence. That goes to B, Bartolomeo Cristofori. So this is for Merlin as well as for Keith. Two of you win that question. All right, where is the oldest piano existence today? Is it in the Met Museum? How many people said the Metropolitan Museum of Art? Amanda. Yay! You win. It's that museum part. I was like, oh, if they've got the oldest one, it's in New York. They maybe have like an exhibit going on, (laughs) so maybe they're together. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that piano, that violin, (laughs) Keith Richards. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what was it originally called by its maker? Was it the, how many people voted for the Gravicembolo col piano e forte? Merwin. How many people voted for Il Cimento del Piano e del Forte? Nobody. How many people voted for Piano Forte? Everybody else. Well, you guys are wrong. It was Merwin. Merwin who wins. Gravicembolo. Basically, like you talked about, Rachel, they were trying to um, make the harpsichord play loud and soft, right? So the idea of hitting the strings made it able to do that instead of plucking the strings like the harpsichord. So Gravicembolo was 
his way of saying harpsichord with soft and loud. So, you know, but wait, there's more kind it's of like thing. Like the new Coke. <laughs> exactly. But All more right. successful. <laughs> I've, I've lost track of who's winning, so we'll just say Amanda's winning right now. <laughs> okay, here is a, uh, oh, let me get the music back here. No, that's the wrong one. There we go. Actually, I like this one better because we're going to talk about... <laughs> We're going to do a little percussion quiz. And there's only one question because I ran out of time. Okay. And the question is why? <laughs> why am I here? Okay. The first drum kit was made by the Ludwig Drum Company in Chicago. What was it called? Was it the Hit and Spin? Was it the Jazzer Up? Or was it the All in One? A, B, or C. All okay. of those are great names. Yeah. So, Merwin. Those should be our themes for like our next Y piece. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What do you say, Merwin? Hit and spin, jazz are up, or all in one? I'm going to go with all in one. Okay, what do you say, Amanda? I was thinking all in one also. What do you, what do you I say? I was going to do all in one. What do you say, Keith? And oh, and you should, you know... What's your answer, Keith? It's a terrible role. That could actually be me doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I said all in one as well. You all are wrong. <laughs> it was called the jazz are up. <laughs> Jazz her up. Jazz her up. Yeah. Okay. Well, that concludes our quizzing for the day. Yay! Amanda wins. <laughs> Congratulations to you. This concert is happening tomorrow, right? There are a couple of performances in the morning. It's happening at the Paris style at Toledo Museum of Art. You can learn all about the evolution of instruments through science and symphony. So Imagination Station, which is repped by Amanda Miller, who's a tinkering coordinator. If you don't know what that is, then go back and re-listen to the beginning of our podcast <laughs> where Amanda talks about that as well. So, Amanda, before we go, um, what else do you want to tell us about Imagination Station? We should put out a shout to them because uh, you guys are doing great work. Uh, down there in downtown Toledo. What do you have to say about uh, about your job there and what they have to offer? Yeah, you should definitely come check us out. Our tinkering activities are free with admission. You just can spend as much time or as little time. So that's super fun. Uh, we also have just tinkering kits that you can take home if you want to do some tinkering and some science at home because science is everywhere and anyone can do it. So it's super awesome. So make sure you check uh, yeah. out our website, yeah. imaginationstationtoledo.org, and come visit us. We'll link to that. I totally want a tinkering kit now. That's all I'm going to be thinking about for the rest of the day. Amanda Miller is the tinkering coordinator, so you bring control to the chaos, right, at Imagination Station. Uh, thanks so much for sitting in with us and joining us today, and congratulations for winning our quiz. Thank you. Thank you. Yay! This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. You can download episodes as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app of choice, including Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts. Don't forget to check out all the upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website at toledosymphony.com and their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find the TSO streaming platform online at stream.artstoledo.com. My thanks to Merwin Sue, Keith McWaters, Rachel Schultz, and our special guest Amanda Miller from Imagination Station. I'm Brad Cresswell. This has been Toledo Symphony Lab from FM91. 
Huh? Let me try to get the rubber band sounds because you said they weren't close enough to the mic, and I was. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Like, they don't need this. I'm I'm sure I can find that and splice it in. No problem. <laughs> It'll just take me two hours to find. It. Go ahead and. Go ahead. Go. Yes, Merlin is worried about his reputation as a crackerjack violinist. <laughs>